Uh, but let's, uh, let's worship God as we hear from his word. So, Jake, take it away. Thanks, Danny. All right. As Danny said, my name is Jake. It is good to be back preaching again. If I haven't met you, I want to be able to meet you. So come say what is up. Also what Danny said earlier, we have the winter retreat on Friday. So those who are signed up, I'm excited to be there with you. If you didn't sign up, I'm sorry. It's too late. But we leave in two days, so we get to look forward to it. I'm going to pray, so let's focus up. Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth of the worship that we just had the privilege to sing, God, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord Almighty. God, I pray that your spirit will be felt in this room. God, and you'll be able to speak through me to communicate your word effectively in your name. Amen. So just as Danny said, we've been in a series, as you can see on the screen, called Beautiful Resistance, which is based off of the book Beautiful Resistance by John Tyson. Really good book. The book is all about the joy of conviction in a culture of compromise. And last week, Danny talked about how love must resist hate. The week before, he opened up the series with how honor must resist contempt. And every message in the series comes together in a unique, intricate, special way. So tonight, I'm going to be talking to you guys about how sacrifice must resist entitlement. And this is a theme that I think more and more people need to know about, that the idea of, the the idea and the mindset of entitlement has totally filled the minds of nearly everybody in America. And for those who don't know what entitlement means, the definition is simple, and it's literally the fact of having a right to something. So entitlement, the fact of having a right to something. So whether it's thinking that you have a lot of money, that you have the right to a lot of money, that you have some like crazy high up position or job title, or thinking that you're just higher up than somebody. Whatever it is, it's just putting your needs and your wants above other people. So I want to share a story about somebody in history. Uh, His name is Desmond Doss, and I have a photo of him. If you want to throw him up on the screens, that is Desmond Doss. Old dude, no longer living. But if you guys remember, back in December, I shared a story about a man who received the highest possible medal that one could receive in the military, and it's called the Medal of Honor. So this guy also received that medal. And it's something that somebody doesn't just win. They earn it because they're doing their job by selflessly sacrificing their life and putting their life on the line in harm's way, disregarding their own safety and well-being in order to save other people. So this guy, Desmond Doss, served in World War II as a combat medic, but he was a conscientious objector. It's a big word, conscientious objector, meaning he did not believe in violence. He didn't believe in killing, he didn't believe in war, but he wanted to serve and he wanted to help, so he chose to go as a medic with no weapon into into war with one goal in mind, and that goal being to save as many people as possible. So if anybody's familiar with the movie Hacksaw Ridge, you will know what I'm talking about. It's a movie about this guy's life. So from April 1st, 1945 to June 22nd, 1945, the United States was fighting the battle upon Hacksaw Ridge in Okinawa, Japan. And Desmond Doss is one of the medics that was there. And the battle was located on top of a 400-foot cliff. And I also have a photo of that, which is up next. So that's just the top part of it. And that guy up there is actually the guy I'm talking about standing on the side of it. In order to get to the top, the Americans had to scale this, like, tic-tac-toe-looking board rope thing to make it all the way to the top. And once they reached the top, it was just all out chaos. There was bombs, there was gunfire, there were explosions. There was brutal, brutal, brutal fighting. Lots of death, lots of destruction. 
And during that time that Desmond Doss was there, he saved the lives of 75 different men. Men that hated him for what he believed, men that he knew, men that he'd been training with for years, men that he didn't know, and he even saved the lives of some of the enemies that were trying to kill him. He would expose himself to the enemies. He'd run through the field, find the injured person, pick him up, carry him sometimes as far as 200 yards up to the edge of the cliff. He'd tie a rope around him. He'd lower him down off the edge of the cliff to safety. He'd bring the rope back up, and he'd do it again and again and again. And there was one time he was up there completely by himself, completely alone. He was wounded. He was shot. He got blown up, and he kept going 75 different times all to save people who were in need, people who didn't like him because of his faith. He put aside his desires. He put aside his needs. He put aside his safety to save people, and he sacrificed by resisting the urge to see himself better than the other people. And in doing so, he earned the highest achievement that one could earn in the, in the military that's only given by the president. So he, does, he, he demonstrated this level of sacrifice during war And we're about to read about a message that was written to us how, as believers, we must sacrifice for the the sake of the gospel to put others before us and to sacrifice our needs for the sake of Jesus. So after all that, let's take out your Bibles, flip into Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 3. And this passage is pretty well known, and I'm sure a lot of you guys know it. I hope you know it because we spent an entire month on the book of Philippians. It's a little bit of backstory on the book of Philippians. Uh, It's a book that's about joy, the joy of the Christian faith, joy of the Christian life. In fun fact, the idea and the concept of rejoicing and of joy appears 16 different times just in the four chapters that this book is. It talks about joy in suffering, joy in serving, joy in believing, and joy in giving. In the scripture that we're going to look at in chapter 2, it talks about the joy in serving. Serving others is higher than yourself and putting other needs above your own and being humble while doing so. So if you guys are already there, Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 3, reads this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of yourself, or thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. There's another translation that I want to read that just makes it so much better and so much more clear, and it's do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Adopt the attitude as that of Christ Jesus. So do nothing out of selfish ambition, but in humility, consider others as more important than yourself. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. So as I mentioned earlier, we're basing this series off of John Tyson's book, Beautiful Resistance. And he lays out this idea of how sacrifice must resist entitlement in a really cool way. And there's three different ways that he does it, and it's called the game theory. The game theory. So I'm sure some of you guys have heard about this. But the game theory is essentially this theory that the outcome of the game is totally dependent on how each player's activity is in the game. So the first way that he explains it is, I win, you lose. So what he means is, in order to get what I need, I have to take something from you. So for example, who's played the game Sorry, the board game Sorry? Any of you guys? It's a good game. So for example, you draw the Sorry card, and you send somebody back to the beginning, 
or you draw like the number 11 card, which is like you switch spots with somebody. And that could be like you switch spots to put yourself close to your safe zone, but you send, all, send someone all, all the way back to their start spot. So that's the I win, you lose method. You make yourself better, you make other people suffer in the meantime. The next is the win-win situation. So this one's pretty familiar to most of us. It's like, I'm gonna do something that benefits me, it benefits you, but if it doesn't, then it's gonna cost me heavily. So a game that I like to think of is Settlers of Catan. Very fun game, strategic game. And you can work together with people in that to like build your settlements and build, build your, your roads and everything leading to ports or leading to different landmarks to make you have the most resources and pretty much just dominate the whole map. So that way, you guys, there'll be one winner in the end, but you guys can kind of feed off of each other to make the biggest impact. You control the whole board, you win the game. So the final one, the final one is the one that I want you guys to, if you take notes, you can write it down. I want you guys to remember this one. It's I sacrifice, we win. Now this one's a little bit different because it's kind of like the one that nobody really wants to do because you don't really pay off. But if you watched the Super Bowl this last Sunday, there was a perfect, perfect, perfect example of this. So the Chiefs running back, Jarek McKinnon, former Vikings, Skull Vikes, uh, he had a breakaway run with just less than two minutes left in the game, and he could have easily scored the touchdown, but they were already ahead by like three points or whatever it was at the time. There were two minutes left, and he decided to slide and down himself inbounds so the clock can keep running. So that it gives them a better chance of winning. Doesn't give the Eagles ba the ball back with more time on the clock. So he sacrificed a career stat that every single football player dreams of. From the time they're little in peewee football to the time they're all the way up top in the, in the NFL, and that's scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Not only did he win, but in order to have that stat on his, on his stat line saying, I scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl to help us win, he sacrificed that, downed himself inbounds so that the team could win together. And what did they do? They won. So John Tyson explains this in his book so clearly. This is a quote from his book. We don't just sacrifice to serve. We don't just sacrifice and meet. Gosh, I can't read right now. We don't just sacrifice and serve to meet a need. We change the posture of our lives to give what we have accumulated in such a way that costs us something. We sacrifice and serve to raise people up. So I'm going to come back to this quote a little bit later on. But this brings you right into my first point of the night. My first point of the night is to resist the pull of entitlement. Resist the pull of entitlement. Resist the pull of pride. And I know so many people who struggle with this, myself included. But when was the last time somebody asked you to do something, or maybe you even asked some, somebody to, to do something, but it was just like the end of the world, and you're like, I got so much to get done. Like, I matter so much more than whatever it is that you have to do I got to do this, this, and this. I, I matter, you don't. And it just seemed like their needs surpassed everything else in the world. And it happens pretty often. There's even a, a feeling of entitlement in this room. Like, look around. Look at the tables over there. Full of garbage. There's garbage on the tables out in the hallway. It's because people believe that there's somebody that's going to come up behind you and clean up after you. You guys don't worry about cleaning it up on your own because you're just like, oh, someone's going to come up behind me and do it for me. I don't have to worry about it. Or even during the message, during worship. A lot of times you hear people talking and distracting. Focusing on your image, your popularity, your acceptance from other people, more than focusing on the fact that you're worshiping God. That you're taking in his word, hearing what he has to say to you. The idea of worship is so that you can come before the Lord and humbly worship him. To tell him that he is God 
and we are not. And to fix our eyes on him and to focus on him and tell him that he's worthy of all praise. He's worthy of all of our attention. And the idea that some of you guys want to take that focus away from other people or from yourself is prideful and prideful. Being prideful is a sin. This is so much more of a common thing than any of you guys would imagine. And as I said, I'm guilty of it. I'm sure, that, I'm sure that people aren't even aware of it because there's sometimes I'm not even aware of it when I'm doing something. And then someone's like, Jake, you, man, are you struggling with pride lately? And I'm like, maybe, I don't know. I've just been talking about myself. They're like, exactly. You're worrying about yourself too much, man. Start worrying about other people. It's so common in our culture. Everything in the news, everything on social media, everything in school that you hear that you're always constantly taking in is about how you can better your life, how you can make more money, how you can, can, can succeed. It's all me, me, me. And it's never how can I give the money that I earn? How can I fill that empty bedroom in my house for the person who's stuck on the streets? How can I reach out to the quiet kid in the school who gets made fun of? How can I share the good news of Jesus with the people who need it the most? So shortly after verse 5 in Philippians 2, Paul writes about the life of Jesus and how he could have easily and rightfully so been the most entitled person in the world, but he chose not to. He wrote this in verses 6 and 7. Though he was, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And to be honest, guys, like, literally Jesus is the only person ever to be the one that can be like, I deserve everything. Like, I'm, I'm God, you guys aren't. But he didn't. He humbly chose to come to earth and endure life just like you and I, and he served wholeheartedly. He loved deeply, and he always placed the needs of people in front of his own and like I, like I said, he could have saved himself on the cross. He could have put his needs, he could have put his desires, his comforts in front and said, sorry, sorry guys, I'm God, you're not. Everybody else can wait, I'm more important. Just like check back tomorrow and I might get back to you, but right now I matter, you guys don't. But he never did that. He never did that. He resisted the entitlement and he sacrificed for us. In the quote that I read earlier from, from John Tyson's book, just explains sacrificing entitlement in such a simple and powerful way, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. We don't sacrifice to meet a need. We change the posture of our lives so that it costs us something. We don't give and serve to make ourselves look good. We don't give to better our image. We don't give to make people like us. You give to serve. And if that's what you're in it for, if you're just giving just to make yourself look cool or to get popular, then I'm sorry, that's wrong. You serve and you sacrifice so that other people can succeed. And it should cost you something. It shouldn't cost you in like a bad way. You're not going to give more than you can never make back. God will always provide. But you should feel the weight of it. You should feel a healthy spiritual burden. You guys, Jesus sacrifices life. He sacrifices life. And I'll ask you this. Has anybody just willingly given their life for you just out of nowhere? Like on a random like Wednesday afternoon, he's just like, hey, man, I'm going to go die for you quick. Exactly. It's insane. <laughs> Thank you. But it's, it's true. No one just willingly sacrifices everything for somebody. So this brings me to my second point, which is you must have the same attitude as Christ. 
And when I, think, when I think about this, when I think about what it means to have the same attitude as Christ, I think of the, char- the characteristics um, that we read about in Scripture. And there's, many, there's so many different words that can come to my mind to like, think about, like, okay, what does it mean to adopt the attitude of Christ? The Scriptures show in Matthew 15 that he's compassionate. He saw just a group of people, and his disciples were like, you need rest. And he's like, no, these people look lost. I feel compassion on them. They need me right now. Philippians 2 shows us that he's humble. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of the Gospels show that he's gracious, that he's forgiving, that he's merciful, that he's patient. John chapter 11 shows that he's empathetic. When he sees a group of believers weeping and just deep in grief and sorrow, he, he goes up next to them and weeps with them. He feels their struggle. He's in there. He's in there with, in their struggles with them. And when you begin to sacrifice your needs, when you, be, when you begin to sacrifice your wants and you start to resist entitlement, you begin to embrace humility. And what humility really means is that you think of people more and you think of yourself less. You start putting other people above you and you're like, I can wait, it's fine. I got a lot to do, but it doesn't really matter. When you embrace humility, you desire to love. You desire to listen you desire to have grace on people just as God does for us. You, you desire to forgive. You desire to be there for that person who needs you at, at 2 in the morning or whatever it is. You desire to be like Jesus was to us. You begin to put other people's needs and desires above your own. So resist entitlement and embrace humility. Hebrews 13, verses 13 to 16, reads this. So let us go out to him, outside the camp, and bear the disgrace he bore. For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And John Tyson comments on this passage in his book, and he says, Jesus didn't use his equality with God to his own advantage. He made himself nothing. He took the nature of a servant. He entered this world in humility so lowly that he embraced public shame and death outside the camp. Now, he's not talking about how Jesus was in like this like campsite, just hanging out. No, he's, it's a figure of speech saying he went out. He went out of his comfort zone to love the people who needed him to embrace the people that needed him, to to eat with the sinners, to heal the sick. Now, I told you the story about uh, Desmond Doss earlier because I think it's so similar to this idea and this subject of resisting entitlement. And the reason is because, so everybody in the military, so Army, Navy, Coast Guard, Marines, Air Force, everything, they're all entitled to a rifle. When you say, yes, I'm going to serve, they give you a rifle. Because everyone receives one to fight with it, and they're expected to use it, because without it you, it, you can figure out what happens. You're just a walking target, and you won't really make it long. But so he pushed that entitlement to the side. He put his fears and his worry of death and danger to the side in order to save as many lives as possible. And one of the quotes that he said, one of his famous quotes, you see it in the movie that's about him, he said, while everyone else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it all the while praying to God, asking him for safety, asking him for endurance, just to go out and get one more. Lord, give me one more. Show me one more person that I need to go find. 
One more person who might not make it home if it's not for me. One more person who might not make it in the next 10 minutes if I don't just hustle, bear down, and make it to him. He was willing to sacrifice. Now, I know you guys are in middle school. You're not fighting in Japan in World War II, so it's a little bit different. So think of it this way. So just like he sacrificed his rifle and his safety, what is something that you guys need to give up? Maybe it's sacrificing sleep so you can wake up earlier to read the Bible. Good job. Maybe it's spending less time on your phone, less time playing video games on your PlayStation, your Xbox, whatever it may be, and actually more time speaking face-to-face with your friends. Maybe you need to sacrifice your popularity to go love on the student in your same grade or at your school that gets made fun of for being poor or for, for being different for you or, or someone who likes someone different than you do. Just because you disagree with them doesn't mean you can't love them. Maybe it's sacrificing your popularity to go hug that student that, that just, whose dad just left them or who tried to take their life not too long ago. Maybe it's spending less time always thinking you're right and always arguing with your parents or anybody who's in a position of authority and more time listening. Because most of the time, those people have been on this world longer than you have, and they actually have some really, really valuable stuff to say if you just listen. Whatever it may be, I know for a fact that everybody in here, myself included, has to give something up, has to rid themselves of something so that you can push your entitlement to the side, that you can push your pride to the side, and you can pursue Jesus with a pure and humble heart. We've got to put aside our weaknesses. We've got to put aside our earthly success and share God's greatness with the people that are lost and need him the most. In the Hebrews 13 passage that I just read, it says that Jesus never used his place in heaven to his own advantage while he was here on earth. And I'm repeating myself with this a lot because I want it to hit home. I want you guys to take this like main idea away that he put his royalty, he put his godliness to the side and he pushed it all away so he could die for you and he could die for me. He can prove to us that this human life is possible. Jesus demonstrated the ultimate humility when he was being crucified. In Matthew 27, we read about the account of Jesus' crucifixion, how he was mocked, how he was spit on, how he was whipped, he was stabbed, he had the crown of thorns in his head, he was made a king of fools and just publicly shamed. And he suffered the least entitled death that anybody could have ever suffered so that we can inherit the true gift of freedom with him. He was killed in place of a criminal. A literal murderer walked free in his place. He was the most innocent sacrifice known to man. And while he was hanging on the cross, people were questioning his his identity and coming at his personal identity and saying, if you're God, then save yourself. But he humbly stayed quiet. He put aside his royalty and he followed the call and and the command of his father to die on our behalf, to die on your behalf, to die on my behalf so that we can experience freedom in eternity with him. So I want to close with a passage from Philippians 2 again. It's verses 8 through 10, so it's shortly after the ones that I just read. Um, And it reads this. In being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God 
the Father. You guys, I cannot stress this enough. Resist entitlement. Embrace humility. Embrace the humility that is found in Christ. Because one day we will all have to answer to Christ. We will all have, every single one of us in this room will have to answer to Christ. Every single one of us in this church, every single one of us in the, in the world will have to answer him. We'll have to kneel before him, look up at him, look him in the eyes. Look at the scars in his hands, the holes in his hands, the holes in his feet, the scars on his back, the scars on his head from the crown of thorns, the cuts on his side. He's going to look at you and say, I did that for you, but you did this to me. How will you respond when that day comes? You guys, eternity is real. Heaven is real. Hell is real. They're both extremely, extremely real. And your day could come sooner than the person sitting next to you, for all you know. When that day comes, if you have not, if you have not said yes to Jesus, it, it, it will be too late. Just, there's a sense of urgency when it comes to saying yes to Jesus because it can literally happen at any second. Your life, done, just like that. You have no idea when it's going to happen. We have no idea when he's going to return. You have no idea when he could say, all right, it's your time to go. Come on. But when you say yes to Jesus, your eternity is secure. Your past is forgiven. That thing that you dealt with last night when you were alone is forgiven. The way you talk to your sister, the way you talk to your brother, or your mom and dad, it's forgiven. The lie you told to your teacher, it's forgiven. Your life remains in his hands. The gospel is a simple love story of the most perfect human being to ever walk the face of the earth that died in your place for your wrongdoing. He conquered death. And he defeated the enemy so that we can walk alongside of him in a relationship. And whenever your day may be, I want all of you to be so confident that you will be able to spend eternity with Jesus. You don't have to raise your hands, but how many of you, if, if you were to die right now, would you know for a fact where you were going to go. I want you to all be so confident that you'll be with Jesus and that he'll be able to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this amazing night, God. Thank you for Wednesday nights. Thank you that we get to gather as a church, gather as a community, and pursue you, Lord, and dive into your word and just worship you. I pray for all of these students as they go out about their weeks in school, that they'll just finish this week strong, Lord. Pray all this in your name. Amen.